Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I tell you. I'm sure when he woke up that morning, he never expected that in his wildest dreams. Had he learned to listen to God? Yes, here I am. Had he learned to obey God? Look at the next verse. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey. Look at verse 2 again. And he said, take now your son. Not one of these days. Now. Did he learn to listen? Yes. Learn to obey? Yes. Learn to depend upon God? Yes. Learn to wait upon him? Yes. Now, that means now. Next morning early gets up. Took two of his young men with him. Isaac, his son, split the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here. Now watch this carefully. Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder, and we will worship and return to you. Now I know that Abraham is about to graduate in the school of faith because this is the acid test of his love and devotion to God. This son whom he looked for all these years, 100 years old when he was born, the son of promise, and now he says to him, I want you to take him to Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice him to me. But look what happens. Verse 5 again, Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder, and we will return. And if you read that in the Hebrew, and we will return, and we will worship you. What was he saying? His faith had reached this stage. This is the son of promise. God says that through this child, all the nations of earth are going to be blessed. If I sacrifice my son, God's going to resurrect him from the dead right here. So they left. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, took in his hand the fire and the knife, so the two of them walked along together. Now, can you imagine this conversation? Look at this. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, uh, My father, yes, well, we've got wood and we've got fire. Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? I love this answer. Look at this. Verse 8. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. He graduated, man. For the burnt offering, my son, so the two of them walked on together, came to the place of which God had told him. Abraham built the altar there, arranged the wood, bound his son Isaac, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Here's what I want you to remember. There come those critical, crucial moments in all of our lives. Critical, critical, crucial moments with consequences you and I will never be able to foresee. If we're not listening to God, we'll spend a lifetime regretting it. Abraham, Abraham, here I am. And God said to him, don't stretch your hand against your son, your lad. Do nothing to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Suppose he had not listened at that moment. And what that says to me is how very important it is that in the walk of faith, 
that we are very, very sensitive to the voice of God. That when he speaks, we're just as, listen, we learn just as well as Abraham to say, here I am, Lord. Listening, willing to be obedient, willing to depend, willing to wait, willing to confess my failures and my faults and my faith failures and my faults and my times of disobedience, willing to repent of those in order to learn how to walk this walk of faith. Father, we bless you and praise you, love you. When I think about how patient, how forbearing, how forgiving, how willing you are to love us through all of our faults and our faith failures in life. God, teach us how to listen to you carefully. Create within our hearts such an intense desire to hear from you that all the shouts and the sounds and the voices and the rumblings of the world cannot overpower the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit within us. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Obey God and leave all the consequences to Him is an essential principle for believers. And Dr. Stanley's message encouraged us to learn from Abraham's example and seek God's counsel in every decision. To listen again, click on Today on Radio at InTouch.org. And that's where you'll find more information on what it means to trust God with everything. If you'd like a copy of Dr. Stanley's complete message, you can order it from our online bookstore. The title is The Requirements of Faith, or order his entire teaching set, Learning to Walk by Faith. Our web address again is intouch.org, or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. If you prefer, you can write to us at InTouch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. It's often on our darkest days that we appreciate the need to truly depend on God. Encouragement is just ahead in today's Moment with Charles Stanley. Dad, Dad, Dad! What, buddy? Did you order a grown-up gift? You still want to get the same one we talked about last night? Yes. I think we got it. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas! Come on in! Oh, thank you, Nolan. The prayer blanket! The prayer blanket. <laughs> Merry Christmas, buddy. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, Christmas is a time of sharing. Go to intouch.org slash store to find gifts that bless for the Christmas season. Do you take sermon notes on the back of your bulletin, jot scripture references on the offering envelope? Start keeping things in one place, one organized place, with the InTouch Note-Takers Journal. This leather, soft journal contains 150 pages for taking notes and includes Dr. Stanley's 30 life principles. Find everything in one convenient place with the InTouch Note-Takers Journal. Call toll-free 1-800-IN-TOUCH or visit intouch.org. You're listening to In Touch. Even when it feels like we've lost everything, all we really need is still available to us. With a reminder for believers, here's A Moment with Charles Stanley. There's some times in your life and mine when there's that absolutely nothing left, we're forced to depend upon God. Now, 
none of us like that. We'd like to have a choice. But you know what? I think God takes, he just pulls the rug out from under us oftentimes and leaves us in a position where we don't have any choice in life but to depend upon him because we don't have anything else. Well, the truth is that's a good place to be because if I have to depend upon him, I'm going to be focused upon him. I'm going to be sensitive to what he's saying because he's all I've got. Well, let's just face it. It's just down to this. The truth is he's all any of us have. Whatever you have, you can lose. It doesn't make a difference what you have. You and I can lose every single solitary thing we have. Everything. The only thing you cannot lose is Almighty God. And isn't it interesting? The one thing we cannot lose, and the one thing we need above everything else, and the source of all of our blessing, is the one thing we oftentimes ignore. God wants us to depend upon Him. He says, we're to be like little children. Suffer little children to come unto me. He says, except you become as a little child, you not enter the kingdom of heaven. What is that? Humility and dependence upon the parent. Dependence upon God. You can learn more about depending on our trustworthy God at intouch.org. And if the gospel has changed your life, and if this program has been part of your story, please let us know. Tomorrow on In Touch, when the Lord presents you with a challenge, do you step forward in confident faith, or do you struggle to believe He'll really enable you to follow through? We'll continue learning to walk by faith, Tuesday on In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. An argument that's often cited by propagators of transgender ideology is that ancient cultures across the world recognize so-called third genders, those who did not fit neatly in categories of male or female. And if they recognize that, so goes the argument, so should we. Well, the latest video in our What Would You Say video series engages this claim carefully and refutes it with three simple points. It begins by explaining the roots of this argument. According to advocates of transgender ideology, because so many ancient cultures recognized third genders, we should reject the gender binary, the idea that only two genders exist. And we should reject the notion that gender is essentially linked to one's biological sex. Among the most cited examples of third genders are the Native American two-spirit, Thailand's Katoi, a word regularly translated as ladyboy, the Salzikirim of the ancient Middle East, the Fafine of Samoa, the Hijra of India, and the Mouche of southern Mexico. But if a handful of people throughout all of human history and culture are somehow proof that biological sex is fake, what should we make of the fact that the rest of the world throughout all of human history and culture knew that biological sex was real? To suggest that these cultures' understanding of gender bore any resemblance to today's transgenderism is simply to impose our culture's categories on them. I think the term for this is cultural appropriation. Here's more. The label third gender is an anachronism forced upon people who actually presumed the reality of biological sex, gender roles, and the so-called gender binary. For example, the word fafine used in Samoan culture means in the manner of women. In Samoan culture, a fafine was chosen by his family at a young age to help his mother with household tasks, often because the family had no daughters. This boy was not considered a wife or mother, but was assigned responsibilities often performed by women. 
In other words, the Samoans and similar cultures have never claimed that young boys who might perform stereotypically female duties in the home are actually female. But even if that were their claim, it still leaves open the central question that Matt Walsh dedicated an entire documentary to asking, what is a woman? That unanswered question remains at the heart of a modern contradiction. Like these so-called third genders, modern transgender ideology also relies on the gender binary that it claims to reject. At its root, the modern concept that someone can be transgender or born into the wrong body depends heavily on rigid male and female stereotypes. If a little girl likes trucks or short hair or dislikes dresses, well, she must be a boy. If a boy likes pink or dressing up or playing house, he's really a girl. In other words, transgender ideology contradicts itself, promoting the very male and female stereotypes it claims to overcome. A Christian worldview is still big enough to handle the biological realities of the human person, being male and female, while also allowing for and celebrating the beautiful differences and variety that exist in individual men and women. While the roles of males and females look different from one culture to the next, the biological reality that humans are male and female does not change. That's been obvious in every culture until ours, and Genesis tells us why. Because God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. To see this video and others like it, to use them in classes or conversation and share them online, just go to whatwouldyousay.org. That's whatwouldyousay.org. The Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Some decisions don't affect your life very much. What shirt should I wear today? What should I have for lunch? Should I mow the lawn today? But then there's your decision about Jesus Christ. Now that's a decision with eternal consequences. And if you're waiting for a better time to begin a relationship with God, Billy Graham says, there's no time like the present. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. There's no promise tomorrow. There's no promise in the Bible that you'll be alive tomorrow. It's today, now, 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 all the way through the Bible. This may be the last opportunity that you will ever have to make certain of your own personal relationship to God. Put Christ on the throne of your heart and your mind and your soul. Discover more at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association.